Hi everyone and welcome to the Intelligence Network podcast. I'm Rich Wilding, I'm your host on this episode and I'm joined with a colleague and friend of mine, Jonathan Luff. Jonathan, welcome. Thanks very much, Rich. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming. Um, now, I've known you for a number of years. Um, I know you through uh, your fantastic work at Asylum where you're one of the, the founders, but for those listening that, that don't know about you, don't know about the background, could you just tell us who you are and, and sure. what you do? Yeah, so uh, I have a background in government. I was in the Foreign Service for uh, nearly 15 years and worked in a range of posts both in the UK and overseas, in diplomatic missions overseas. Um, I left government in 2012 and with uh, Grace Cassie and Alex Van Someren, uh, we set up the Cylon Cybersecurity Accelerator Program. Uh, we launched it in 2015 with a mission to find, uh, grow, and invest in the world's best cybersecurity businesses based around a thesis that the UK was already a cybersecurity superpower, uh, but that there weren't enough really outstanding new cyber tech companies uh, growing here. And that's what we wanted to address. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so you're on your, your seventh cohort. Yeah, we've been we've been running since 2015, and uh, that means seven programs have have now completed, uh, 53 startups through the program. Um, as you know, you know we've worked closely with with you and your team at, at uh, BAE Systems AI since program two. In fact, I think you were involved in program one as a mentor. But mm. uh, uh, yeah, we've been we've been in partnership with 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 your team since uh, program two. We're now well, we just finished program seven. Um, just had demo day two weeks ago, so the latest group of uh, eight startups have just graduated, and uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a fantastic experience to this point. I think, you know, we have um, started to, uh, to to prove that thesis that there is um, a huge amount of talent and a huge amount of interest in cybersecurity. Um, I think that's that that almost goes without saying. You know, it's in the news every day now. Uh, people are, you know, they're, they're, they're really conscious of the issue. That wasn't, that wasn't so much the case, I think, when we started this. Obviously, it's a subject that you, are, you know, you're very familiar with, that BAE is very familiar with. But I think when we started in 2015, it was, it was really only, it, we were on the cusp of the, of the rise to prominence of, of this issue. So, so what started you to, do, or inspired you to, to start it then, rather? You know, well, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a great question. I mean, actually, we, we started thinking about it a long time ago, uh, both Grace and I had worked um, uh, in a number of different roles where um, cybersecurity was was either a consideration or was a, was 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 already a you know a fact of life. I, I think it's quite interesting that um, although um, in many areas government is is sort of criticized for the way it uses technology the way it thinks about technology actually you know cyber security cyber defense um, is, is different um, I think for a long time um, government actually had a, a unique unrivaled position 
in this in this area, um, and that goes back to um, you know the, the work and the thinking of the defence, security, and intelligence um, uh, agencies to protect their information and to protect their people, and that goes back um, that goes back a very long way. So both Grace and I had been sort of conscious of of, of the issues around technology and technology security during our our time in government. Our co-founder. Alex, um, who, who comes at this from a slightly different perspective, had himself set up, run, and taken to IPO um, uh, an early cybersecurity business working uh, um, in the uh, financial services uh, sector. And, and so the three of us collectively had been, had been looking at this problem, maybe from slightly different angles for, for a while. And it really sort of came um, came into focus when uh, I think it was around 2010, 2011. Uh, I was at that time uh, working uh, in the Prime Minister's office. Uh, we were working on the national security strategy, and cybersecurity was for the first time part of that strategy. And it was very clear that we there was there was there were some risks. Um, you know, it's a it's a tier one national security uh, uh, issue. And has been since uh, since that time. But there are also huge opportunities, and we sort of we felt that not enough was being done to seize those opportunities, and and really to make the UK, you know, the best place in the yeah. world to, to to build one of these businesses. And if you did build great cyber businesses here in the UK, then that helped the rest of the digital economy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's our it's our it's our you know um, organizing principle, I guess that. You, you can't have a thriving digital economy unless you've got good security in place. You, you know, for us, cybersecurity is the enabling layer mm. of the digital economy. And so, you know... Often left to last, right? Well, I think people do sometimes yeah. come to it late or yeah. slowly. Um, it's too often thought of as a as a you know a cost to a business you rather than... You can't put that digital genie back in a bottle either. No, I mean, everyone is now... Um, you know, digitize. You know, all businesses are now digital businesses, and um, for many of them, like you say, it's 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 almost. I wouldn't say it's happened by accident. They, you know, that people have obviously thought about how to transform their businesses into twenty first century digital businesses. But the security part of that, or the cyber security part of that, is often the sort of is not is not part of the initial strategy, yeah. and so that does present some issues. And, and we felt that it presented a huge opportunity uh, for new entrants into the market. That's cool. So we'll we come back to sign on, sign on later, I think. Um, that's a really it's a great intro, thank you. And it's, it's, a, it's a great program, doing great things. Uh, and I think, you know, just hearing you, you say, say those words about the, the inspiration, you know, that, that, that feeling that something more needs to be done. Uh, you need to get people, you didn't say the word collaborating, but you need to get people working together across the industry. You know, that's a common underpinning thing behind the intelligence network too so um, well that that's why we're involved I mean yeah. we're involved because obviously we've been working uh, with you and your colleagues now for uh, for more than three years uh, and I see that partnership as being if you like a, a great um, case study mm. for the way in which uh, smaller organizations uh, can work effectively with with larger ones and you know working with Julian uh, and James, um, yourself, and Adrian on the on the launch of the Intelligence Network. It's clear that 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 thinking is what what sits uh, behind it. it. That this is this is this is a team sport, right? This is something from which we all benefit. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's security is an issue around which we should 
we shouldn't be competing, we should be cooperating. And if we, if we manage to do that, it's in everybody's interest. We can get on then with competing around the quality of our products and our services and our service delivery and all of those things which, which really do matter and which matter for our customers and which matter for the, uh, for the, for the economy more broadly. But we, if, we have to continue to raise standards in security. And, and, and so, yeah, the, the, the launch of the Intelligence Network was for us a, a sort of an, another step towards fostering yeah. Uh, this kind of collaborative approach in security, which which is you know which is which is what we believe in at, at Cylon. That's great, and you contributed a um, you authored contributed a, a great article for us. So thank you for that. Um, Very welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll characterise it as the bl- idea around a black box for cyber. Um, Hopefully that's well, not look, there are a lot of you know there are a lot of black boxes in the cybersecurity <laughs> not uh, that sort of black world. Box. I was thinking of something slightly different. I mean, I, actually, I think uh, in, in one respect, the um, it's one of the problems of cybersecurity. You know, yeah. some clever people come along with their with their black box, um, plug it in, and, and and solve all your problems, but no one really understands what's going yeah, on. Yeah, we, we mean, of course, the the flight recorder black box. We do. We, it's exactly what I meant. I, mean, I, I was really interested. Um, in the in, in so Matthew Syed's book, uh, Black Box Thinking, was what really um, started me thinking about about this and and how it applies to cybersecurity. Um, Matthew, um, who's a who was a, a sort of national level um, sportsman, I think he repre- represented um, Great Britain at the at the Olympics, uh, table tennis player. And has gone on to be a very um, a prominent commentator and, and author and journalist, and he's written some really interesting books around um, high achievement and high performance. Um, but he, he he took a very close look at the reasons why uh, some uh, some people or some organisations or some industries uh, learn from their mistakes mm. and get better as a result and compared those with examples where that didn't seem to be the case. And um, he compared uh, the airline industry yep. with, the, uh, with the healthcare industry as two quite contrasting uh, examples, one in which uh, the culture, uh, and, and I'm talking about um, the airline industry here, where whatever other faults uh, that industry may have, they have a, an astonishingly um, healthy approach to dealing with uh, errors uh, and that is both driven by uh, data but it's also uh, driven by culture they um, and uh, you know your, your your listeners may know all this already but that the the approach taken in the airline industry is that you um, you are you are you are absolved effectively of uh, of blame right. if you uh, have a near miss or other uh, uh, error uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a flight situation, uh, provided you make a full declaration of that within, uh, I think it's within 10 days or two weeks of that incident having happened. And then there is a, uh, an effort made to understand um, that error, uh, how it happened, uh, and then to distribute the lessons learned. And who's absolved is that? Is the pilot? The, 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 well, the whoever, crew, it, whoever the... yeah, whoever, whoever um, was sort of responsible. Would that include the airline if it's a, a commercial airline? Yeah, no, abso- oh, okay. abso- absolutely. So, I mean, this applies right across the airline industry. All airlines, you know, 
whether they're large or small, yeah. any pilot, any co-pilot, any engineer, anybody who's involved in a in a near miss or other in-flight incident, as I've understood it, um, you know, is uh, is under an obligation to um, to declare yeah. uh, what's happened, and and that and that information is you know transparently um, sort of digested, processed lessons are learned from it, and those lessons and shared, are then right? yeah. and shared yeah. across the industry and. The record of the airline industry, um, you know, I think it's fair to say, is is unmatched in terms yeah. of the 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 uh, improvements over time uh, uh, to the sort of the, the, the safety and security of 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 flight. Um, you know, from a, from it from its earliest days, where you know it must have been one of the most risky things yeah. uh, for anybody to uh, uh, to uh, to do. To now, it being by far and away the safest thing um, that you can you can do, uh, at least as far as travel is concerned. So that sort of that that culture of um, of learning, I suppose that's the primary thing about it: learning and sharing, uh, and. It being okay to be wrong, you know, that sounds very that sounds very compelling. It would be great to have that. I do wonder though if you look at certainly as a I guess I'm not an expert in aviation, right? But if, you, if what I think about it, if I think about the aviation industry, it's it's an incredibly safety first place, right? You know, systems are are put through considerable rigorous testing. There's fail safe fail safes. There's dual redundancies. There's old tech, and by that I don't mean outdated, I mean tech that is tried and tested and you can be confident in. Um, you don't think innovation, when you think about commercial airlines, um, it's safety first. And so is that the cost, do you think? Is that the price you pay of having that culture? Because what you don't want to say is, hang on, anyone get into any sort of vehicle with wings, and if you go wrong, it's okay, we all learn from it. You know, what gives you that, that yeah, so, ability so, to It's think? a really good question. Um, let me see if I can have a go at, at, at offering a, an answer or, or an answer of sorts. The the the, the comparison that, um, that that Matthew Syed draws is to is to healthcare, right? You know, where again you'd imagine that it would be of paramount importance yeah. um, to get things safe, to, to, to do things safely, to minimise mm. errors, uh, because you can have catastrophic results if you if you get things wrong. Um, but equally, you know, you, you, you would imagine that they have a safety first culture. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his, his findings suggested that, that learnings were not shared uh, where mistakes were made in, in, in sharp contrast to the airline industry. And, and the difference in culture and the, and, the, and the different systems that they have in place for um, understanding errors where they're made um, sharing that knowledge yeah. and raising standards and adapting their approach as, as a result is it just doesn't compare to the approach taken in another as you rightly say safety first industry so i think you know it's fair to say that you, you, you even where safety does come first you know the approach that you take and the culture that you develop is enormously important now to bring this back to cybersecurity um it, I think the way I look at this is that there are there are organisations, whether they're startups, large and sm larger, smaller, larger larger organisations like BAE, uh, working on these issues. Now, innovation is happening mm. there, but mistakes uh, are being made everywhere, 
uh, in the companies that use those products, uh, in the companies that aren't yet using those products and are are, are getting uh, hit by attacks as, as a result. And you know, the the more that we sort of understand those mistakes, we share insights from those mistakes, uh, and that we adapt as a result. The higher uh, our standards will be, the, the the better our security will be. Uh, I'm not sure I'm really answering your question about you know how how it's possible to be. Um, creative and innovative, whilst having a, well, a safety first culture. Yeah. But it's not really it's, for me. It's not really about the, um, the 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 safety first bit of it. It's about the uh, willingness to, uh, to to cooperate and yeah. to share and to learn from. So the, the question was more about to get to that place where you've got this this cooperation, this willingness to learn, the willingness to share. Do you, as a pre for a prerequisite to have that, do you need to have I don't know the, you know the hyper regulation that you have in in airlines. Because that feels like that might not, you know, that's one way you could go. But I wonder if that's if that would be the right answer for. Uh, look, I mean, that's a really good question because you're quite right. Um, you know, the medical profession, yeah. the airline industry, um, these are these are highly regulated uh, sectors. Uh, as I was saying before, you know, cybersecurity cuts across everything. Yep. Um, and therefore, trying to apply that single industry regulatory approach to this uh, is difficult, uh, which is actually why I think an initiative like the Intelligence Network is, is worthwhile. Uh, it's, it's not being driven by mm. government. It's not, it's not regulation-led. It's trying to be sort of culture-led. It's trying to sort of to, to, to introduce some of that thinking that you know, has been successful in other areas, perhaps driven uh, to some... Uh, greater or lesser degree by yeah. by regulation, um, but to try and stimulate fresh thinking and to to introduce uh, this 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 sort of sharing collaborative approach, simply by saying, look, this is important to all of us. Mm. Um, we will succeed as businesses in this sector, um, whether whether they are startups like the ones that we um, that we find uh, uh, grow and invest in at Cylon, or whether they are larger. Much, much more significant players like 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 BAE. You know, those companies will succeed, will thrive, yeah. um, as as the cybersecurity uh, market grows and as the need for those services yeah. increases. That's that's going to happen, but it will happen best if there's a broad understanding across industry verticals of the sort of common uh, challenges, the common mistakes. The, the things that work and the things that that, that don't, um, you know, we we will see a rising of standards and we will also see greater demand for high quality sort of products and services. So there won't be, yeah, we. I mean, I think the intention here is not is not to um, it, it is that there should be healthy competition between between players in this sector, but we we shouldn't be competing around... Between cyber players. Between the cyber players, because, you know, you'll want to compete on price and on service and on quality of product and all those those really important things. But we shouldn't, you know, the, 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 the consumers of these services should also be competing on the basis of the service they offer, yeah. the price at which they offer it, the strength of their brand and those things, and not around whether they were or weren't unlucky uh, in the, well, it, or they, they they did or they didn't yeah. make a an easily avoidable mistake, or they were or they weren't aware soon enough of an so, emerging. So I think that's an interesting point, right? You know, just going back to the airlines for a second, 
if you had maybe maybe the term to talk, think about is due care and attention because if you had a, a pilot or a crew member or you know someone else in that that value chain that was did something unprofessional lacks lapse of judgment um probably wouldn't forgive them right you know they wouldn't be don't worry let's just I'm sure there'd be an element of learning around, well, how did that happen? How do we let someone go no, and but do I think, that? I think that's but they wouldn't be let off, right? I think that's precisely the point. Yeah. There, 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 is a, there is an absolution. Even if a, they... Even if it is a... I mean, I think there are... There's, there's I, forgive me, I'm not, I'm not sufficiently expert in the, in the, in the, in the, sort of the, 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 the details of the process yeah. to, to answer that specific... Like, if there is serious professional negligence... Yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that is treated, but my understanding is that broad, broadly speaking, if you if you hold up your hand and you say this happened and it was something that happened on my watch, and frankly it was my responsibility, then that is the end of the matter. Wow! And and it is the the, the importance, the, the 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 overriding importance is attached to understanding and learning from the error, such that it doesn't happen again. That's okay. Well, we're two non-experts uh, arguing on that, maybe. Yeah. But the, yeah. Um, a shallow understanding. <laughs> yeah. But, but back to cyber, then the um, you know what, what, where I was going to go with that was, I don't think it, anyone would say it's the right thing if if you've got the person in charge of security in a, or IT security in a company and cyber security in a company, and they just don't give it any attention and they lose customer records or you know they lose IP and the company has a bad time or they you know some, some disaster happens. It wouldn't be if they've done nothing, if they haven't put due care and attention in. I don't, I don't think anyone would say, "Well, that's fine. You, you know, you don't worry about it. Let's just learn from it." For me, it's more about, well, if you've, if you've done the right thing for the right reasons, for the right intentions, with the right you know, cost-benefit trade-offs, etc., and it still goes wrong, that's that's kind of where you, I think you should be in safe territory. Uh, and learn from it. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly where this ends up, and I think it's important to, to stress that this is this is the beginning of a process. Yeah. Um, you know, the the idea, as I understand it, behind the network is that w- is that we 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 start and we begin to um, to create a, a, a sort of collaborative uh, network, and that we explore the ways in which this um, develops and and is and is constructive and and, and worthwhile for people, but. I don't think anyone's saying that they've figured out exactly how this uh, should end up. And, you know, I think it's also worth mentioning that, you know, initiatives have been um, uh, launched by the government already to try and um, uh, 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 draw together uh, breach insights uh, from uh, large corporations, which can then be... um, uh, circulated to others I, I think that I, that's not what this is about no. in my view that, that that should that should continue let's let's allow the NCSC and and, mm. and other bits of government to 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 do their thing and to act as if you like the sort of technical authority to to, to sort of distribute technical insights and advice and guidance let's let, let's let's leave them to do that official job and then independent of that maybe with some input from them which I think would be extremely welcome let us uh, let's establish a a broader network of people with an interest in this area some with more experience some with less some with more to say some with 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 less to say about it 
um, so that we can we can share experiences and insights. And I, and I don't think we're talking there about here's the latest piece of threat intelligence no. or here's the latest uh, uh, insight from a from a specific breach. It's more about um, uh, uh, sharing common problems, uh, uh, sort of comparing approaches, yeah. uh, and 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 just setting off on a on a on a sorry it's a bit of a cliche but sort of setting off on a journey together uh, with the hope that we all learn from one another and that we can you know share those share those insights and find a, a way of collaborating around cybersecurity um, which which is helpful to everybody and you know uh, so so we we've we've talked about this uh, before at different different events um, connecting connecting back to to one of your day jobs at, at Cylon right um, you know the situation we we want to encourage is I think is to have those responsible for security and enterprises trying new approaches that to, to improve security and improve you know their their business, improve their their, their the service they provide to customers. We don't want them um, being, and this is where the balance comes. You can't you need to be cognizant of risks, but you can't be so risk adverse you don't try anything new because, as we all know, the baddies are all trying new things all the time. Yeah. And so you get this situation, what the situation you want to avoid is a CISO or an IT director looking for some new solutions or looking at looking at choosing a vendor. Um, and there's some new technology, a new approach that's not been tested yet. We want someone to try that because if no one tries it, the, the, the world... Collectively, the industry doesn't improve, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, this is at the heart of some of the problems your your companies face in in Cylon is how do they go and get the first set of credentials, the first company to so test them? This is a really hard problem. Um, we are. You're right. You know, organisations, large and small, are wrestling with the the challenge of how much security is the right amount. Um, you know, how do you know you've got um, the right quality of, uh, of of solution for that's appropriate for the business that you're doing how do, how do you know you know where are you going to find the people that can help you with this um, are you going to recruit people or are you going to work in partnership with third parties and these are all really difficult questions whether you're a, a large organization or a small one the the the, the the approach that we've we've taken at, at Cylon is 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 one where we're, we're trying to enable the the teams building the most innovative, creative, new things um, to engage meaningfully with with those who are perhaps more experienced or perhaps yeah. are um, are more exposed to the you know the 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 um, uh, the challenges of of the market uh, to be able to advise them on uh, on getting from innovative product to real world uh, um, you know place in the market if you're if you're in charge of security somewhere or, or you're bringing in a new vendor and it's uh, a tried and so there's a bad outcome right where you you go in you're the first to try a new startup um, and if you haven't done your due diligence properly and you try a dud and something bad happens yeah you get called for you it. Get, you know, yeah. you're going to have a hard well, time uh, we've, we've tried to address specifically that that question because it is really hard you're asking um, I mean, these are hard problems for, for anyone, yeah. whether in a large company or a small company, how much is the right amount of security? How much should you be spending? Is that a cost to you or actually is it an investment because it's making you more secure and it raises your 
it raises your game more broadly. But you don't get in trouble if you buy whatever anyone else is buying, right? That's well, the, the, that's, the that's thing. it's always been the yeah. case, right? That, that the default setting is to go for an established, yeah. tried and trusted player, even where that technology may not be yep. cutting edge, but at least you're on relatively safe ground. Trying to get companies, large or small, to work with an innovative t technology from a startup is hard for a couple of reasons. You, you, this is about your security, right? This is really important mm. to you. Secondly, you, you're asking somebody to perhaps protect your your most important information, whether that is uh, customer details, whether it's financial information. You know, it's important stuff. And and thirdly, you're going to do this with a small company that doesn't have a track record. And even though their technology may be brilliant, it hasn't yet had time to really prove itself in the market. So you're, you know, you're, there's, there's you're really a, out on a limb if you go for that. Option. It's a triple yeah. whammy. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so the approach we've taken at Cylon is find that talent, give that talent an opportunity to learn and to develop, and provide opportunities for uh, those entrepreneurs to sit alongside and work with and learn from more experienced people and organizations, and to test whether their ideas have validity and to see if they can find a way to begin testing their technology in either a sandbox or in a real world environment with one of those larger organizations. By the end of the program, um, they should be sufficiently advanced for uh, for them to use the, 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 their participation in the program as a reference and they should be able to refer to work that they've done with organizations like BAE and others yeah. to say to other potential customers or users of their product, look, we're not, we're, yes, we're a startup, we've got this really interesting technology, uh, but you, please, by all means, go and speak to these people who we've been working with and ask them whether 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 they think we're worth trying. Yeah, so you, trying. you know, you, they get some credentials. For, you've done some due diligence to get them in the program, you've, you've taken them through that program. Yeah. So compared to a, a startup that hasn't, it's probably a safer bet, and it, for, but it's it's still difficult. It's still difficult, but it gives you know we we are filtering and we are nurturing yeah. and we are doing due diligence and there's a you know you have a you have a kind of badge of honour by the time you reach the end of the program. Not all of them will will go on to succeed. That's the nature of uh, uh, of of working with startups. But some you know we've had yeah. I think fifty three companies through the program. I could list you you know five or ten. Uh, straight away who are really thriving as a result others who are doing well and are still uh, developing their their product but you know companies like Tessian and Immersive Labs are absolutely you know have have, have built their credentials through the program have worked with uh, partners at BAE Systems mm. and, and, and in other other organizations and are on their way to being you know significant companies in their own right and that partnership between the small company and the larger company has been instrumental so, so you know those companies i know them a bit you know them a bit better mm. um without without going into the like you know minutiae detail of of or, or talking about stuff we're not allowed to but is there a common trait when you look at their customers you know if you think about the first customers for immersive i mean james and um and the guys you know they're 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 really impressive individuals, uh, as is Tim over at Tessian. So no doubt they, and they have good solutions, right? So so that that helps obviously. But but what what about their customers? You know what what can you say if anything about those customers and their willingness to try something new? Is there something we can learn from from them? So so I think I'd I'd look at that um, 
in a slightly different way. I think right. you're right to identify James and Tim as really interesting founders uh, uh, as part of really interesting founding teams. You know, one of the things that's most important for us is to, is to, is to spot early uh, individuals or founding teams that have got talent and have got real potential. And I think that was clearly the case both with James and with and with Tim, and they and they built good teams around mm-hmm. them. But then, um, equally important was the fact that they 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 were doing something that was n- needed. Mm. They'd, they'd spotted uh, an op- a, a niche, or they'd spotted something that was a real world problem for lots of people, uh, and it it was easily articulated. You know, in James's case, it was you know training people to do cyber. Uh, security well is hard, and no one's doing it particularly well. Uh, we've got a much better solution for it, and the truth is, he has. Yeah, um, and and he's 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 he's. I guess actually thinking about it, that's a, that's a low risk one to try because it's not an operational system you're plugging them into, right? If I'm the if I'm the guy in charge, of if security, you're on the buying side of that, yeah. uh, I agree with you. It might be an easier thing to, you know, it's a problem you know you've got, yeah, uh, but it doesn't require a lot of in, uh, integration into your systems. Risk. So lo- lower 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 yeah. risk, but you know, still you know, talented team well uh, executed product tackling a real problem yeah. and exactly the same with Tim and with Tessian though a more challenging uh, technical implementation still he you know Tim and his team came along and said well, you know, how many people in this room have sent an email to the wrong person by accident and every hand in yeah. the room goes up yeah. and and sort of astonishing to me that no one had really um, uh, sought to or had managed to uh, tackle that issue effectively until until Tim and and and, and the, uh, Tim and the Tessian team uh, came along and applied machine learning and and AI uh, to that problem, allied with a really really good user experience. And of course, it wasn't the fact that their customers were super um, sort of risk taking. In yeah. fact, most of Tim's early customers were major law firms, and I'm not sure you know uh, law firms typically qualify. Uh, in the top, you know, top three industries for for risk taking, they're pretty conventional. They are, but they have a real need. On but that they have a sure, real yeah. need. It's a yeah. massively important issue for for a law firm. You yeah. must not divulge yeah. um, uh, client in confidence, um, client privileged information. Um, you know, that's just that's one of the you know articles of uh, of stone for for any law firm. And so Tim and his team were able to say, well, we can help you. We can help you address that issue. And, and so if we we're back back to the sharing collaboration point for a second. So on the on the positive on the positive outcomes, I've tried some. I'm the, I'm, say I'm the IT director of CISA that's tried one of these solutions. I get a sense that that success is shared around around peer groups and around industries, right? I'm like, hey, Tim, let me introduce you to somebody, or you know. My friend over in a different firm. You should talk to these guys. Yeah, I think I think that's that's true. If you're if you're in the kind of CISO community, yeah. if you're part of an established uh, sort of security community, yes, I think I think that um, that facilitates uh, information sharing. There's there's a there's a there's a good degree of, mm-hmm. of networking that goes on in that in that community. But I think we're we're you know how many companies uh, across the UK across Europe. Have a CISO. Yeah. It's true. Okay. I mean, you. Ha- I think you have to be a company of a certain, certain yeah. size, certain scale to ha- to have a dedicated. Ind- and, and 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 then do you have a team? Uh, you know, how big's your team? Now we're we're talking about businesses from the smallest 
one person yeah. Might business. Might even have an IT director. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. run. We run. Uh, uh, you know, we we run our business. We're responsible for our own security. Uh, we're fortunate to work with fantastic security professionals, and so so we get good advice and input. Um, but we're small enough not to have a CISO. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're typical of yeah. of many organisations. And so the question becomes: Okay, well, how do you if you're not an organisation that that yeah. that is significant enough to have that kind of role or responsibility? How do you? You know, benefit from the insights of that community. Well, you know, and one way is to be part of something like the intelligence network. You can yeah. you can consume passively uh, information that, that that network generates or produces. That's going to give you some insights. If you need to go somewhere for, for for some advice, well, at least there's somewhere to start. There's going to be someone in that network who has had the same experience, has ex- has had the same issue, has worked with a really good team or a really good product, and yeah. might have the answer for you. And I, and I think that's going to be really valuable for people. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? You know, you mentioned earlier you can't you can't have digital, or we are a digital society these days. You can't have digital without cybersecurity, or you shouldn't have. And yet, this whole thing, as we're just talking through, it's it's an incredibly human connection. Yeah. viral thing, right? And, it's and not look, and I, I think that, you know, people do worry about this now. You know, it's so um, it's so visible, so much a part of our daily discourse. Yeah. The news, you know, forces it at us that even if you are a very small business, uh, even if you're a sole trader, um, you're worrying about this. Now, for, for many people, the answer may simply be you're okay. You know, you're using these products and services. Your business is run using, you know, Google Suite, uh, you, you use Box or Dropbox for mm-hmm. for, for, for document uh, storage or, or, or collaboration, and you're doing you're doing the things that lots of small businesses do, and you may just need somebody to be able to say that's actually good enough. You know, you're doing you're doing what you need to. Um, you should you should maybe think about this. You should maybe think about that. You know, are you doing simple things well? Fine. If you are, you may still be unlucky. Yep. You know, you might still get caught out at some point, but you're doing you're doing the things you need to do well. We had an experience like this recently, where where uh, um, a colleague of mine was 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 telling me about a, a bit of consultancy uh, that they'd done for a for a, a small family run firm, um, and and they were doing all the things they needed to. It was really impressive. They weren't doing amazingly technical things, but they were doing the basics and how well. How did they know what to do? Well, they had done a bit of research. They, right. They'd actually made they'd made the effort to to research it for themselves. But the really fascinating thing was they were missing one one big gap. Uh, and my, my my colleague who'd gone in to sort of to, to, to talk to them asked them one simple question, uh, to which the answer was no. We we don't know what that right. is. Um, and it was a major it was a major flaw. It was it was around the security of their, oh, of their router. Um, everything else had been done really well, uh, and they changed the they changed the Wi-Fi password, oh, nice. but it was the password sitting behind uh, on the router itself that hadn't been right uh, hadn't been was still a, uh, set to default, and they weren't even aware uh, of that password. I mean, I bought something the other day, uh, a Wi-Fi extender, and it still came with a ridiculous default password. Actually, well, and crazy. as you know, you know th- this is an area where you know really you know that has to change, and I think that's one of those sort of simple. Regulatory changes that can be made that you, you, know, you, sh- you should not be yeah. buying. Uh, connected, you should not be able to buy. You shouldn't be able to buy yeah. a connected product that that you don't have to. Um, yeah, that's uh, a good place for regulation, actually. Well, you know, these simple things that, yeah. that that can be addressed through through tweaks to to regulation. Mm-hmm.